You're listening to the Kicking Out Podcast, a weekly pro wrestling podcast focused around All Elite Wrestling, hosted by Tanner Lee and Paul Zartman, two passionate All Elite Wrestling fans. If you like what you hear, please click subscribe and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Kicking Out Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels. Enjoy the show. It's Thursday night. You know what that means. Another episode of the Kicking Out Podcast. I'm Tanner Lee, along with Paul Zartman. Paul, how are you tonight? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm wishing it was a little bit warmer in Indiana, but it's Indiana. It's Indiana winter. We can't expect warmth, but my gosh, is it cold. You're right. Yeah. But uh, AEW was on fire last night. So Yes, it was. Yes, it was. So we'll get right into that. But I guess I should say before we get into that, we should do some on this day in wrestling history. I know okay. you're always excited to get educated. Yes, I love learning new things every day. <laughs> Try to make it a well, goal of mine. Well, let, well, let's see if you remember any of these events, because I got to be honest, I don't remember too many of these today. So uh, on this day in 1996, Hulk Hogan defeated the Giant in a steel cage match at Super Brawl 6. No, I don't or remember Super that Bowl one. Four, four, excuse me. Not six. I, I do not remember that one. I don't either. I might have to go back to the network and watch that one because that one sounds entertaining to me. Absolutely. On this day in 2003, a guy named Brock Lesnar defeated another guy named John Cena on SmackDown. I do remember that. That's when Cena was the master of thugonomics. Um, yeah. He had a little rivalry going with Brock Lesnar. I think they squared off at Backlash. That might have been the previous year, though. I don't. I don't recall. I, I don't. Those two went at it so many times for a few years that I couldn't tell you exactly which one was which. They kind of had a nice rivalry when he was the doctor, doctor of thugonomics. And then, of course, Brock left the company when Cena came in to stardom. And then when Brock came back in 2012, they squared off again right away. Extreme <laughs> Rules, which they had Cena go over. I still don't think that was the right decision, but. They got Lesnar going on a hot streak after that, so including the Suplex City SummerSlam match against John Cena. So, so you telling me you're a Lesnar fan? Yeah, I like Brock Lesnar. Okay, I I don't agree all the time with how he does business, but what I like about Brock Lesnar is I find his matches entertaining, and you never know what's going to happen. I mean, a lot of times the surprise element comes up in a Lesnar match, so. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, I just I liked Lesnar before he left the company. Uh, when he came back, being so good in MMA for so long that it just kind of went to his head, and it kind of changed who he was, in my opinion. Sure, I mean it's on record he left the company the first time because he didn't like to travel, even though he had his own private plane. He didn't like yeah. the schedule, and then so it makes sense when he came back that he said, "Hey, I'm pretty much only working these dates," and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to get paid a pretty penny for it. So I don't think his professional wrestling days are done, um, but I don't think we'll see him until crowds are allowed back. So, Yep, he's smart. He's staying away while the crowds are away. Yep. On this day in 2007, Christian Cage, as he was going by back then, retained the NWA title. Yes, TNA back then was still at agreement with NWA. Yep. Uh, in a triple threat match against Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe at, at the Against All Odds pay-per-view. And now two of the, well, technically all three of those are back under the same roof. Do you think we'll see another rematch? No, I think Angle's done. <laughs> I think I think Christian, uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, he returned at the Rumble. It'll be interesting to see if he has another match or two under his belt. Samoa Joe's doing commentary right now, so I don't know what's up with his status, but... Uh, I'm sure that was a great match. I, I got to say, I was an off and on TNA watcher back then. Yes, so, so was I. Um, I'm sure I was watching at that time. I, I know I was watching at that time. I just I can't recall that exact match at that pay-per-view. But Yeah. On this day in 2008, Jeff Hardy beat the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels in a non-title match on Raw. Always a fun match when those two are involved. 
yes, it, uh, don't recall it, but that was kind of in the time frame where I wasn't 100% watching it every week. I wasn't watching during that period. Um, I was watching during the rest of these, though, when uh, on this day in 2013. I really don't know why this was on the site I got it from, but uh, Kane defeated Dolph Ziggler on Raw in a, in a, just a non-title match. But this is when Ziggler had Big E and AJ Lee both as his managers. So, so that would have been – okay, yeah. I vaguely remember that match. On this day in 2014, Cesaro beat Randy Orton uh, in a non-title match on on SmackDown while Orton was the world heavyweight champion. Man, it's been that long since Orton held a belt, hasn't it? <laughs> no, no, I hadn't. But well, uh, I mean, you know what, you know what I mean. Yeah. since he held that one. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's been a, yeah, it's been a while. I mean, uh, world heavyweight championship has been gone really since since. Uh, was it 14? I think so. I don't know when they unified it in that TLC match with Cena and, and Orton. I don't remember. I'm my years get so lost when, when, when I talk WWE, that's why, that's why we're here to talk AW after, after we get through this, <laughs> uh, on this day in 2015, AJ Styles beat Hiroshi Tanahashi to win back the IWGP world heavyweight title at the new beginning. And on this day in 2019, The Revival, as they were known back then, beat Robert Roode, as he was known back then, and Chad Gable to win the Raw Tag Team titles. Was that their first title win? Uh, It might have been the first on the main roster. I know they had the NXT titles, but I don't don't know that for sure. So, you ready to talk some Being the Elite? Let's do some BTE. Uh, being the Elite this week, it was episode 242, titled Set for Life. And, of course, like we've had it the last few weeks, it opens up with Matt and Nick and the Good Brothers. Uh, they're, they're, <laughs> Matt and Nick are pretty much telling the Good Brothers to tone it down a bit. Yep. And, and with what they say, uh, they said they had a few complaints from people about their segments. Matt says this isn't 2013 anymore. And... And they are executives now. He then asked why they're uh, naked as the camera pans back, and you see them just both messing around. And I'll, I'll, I'll let our audience go watch it. I'm not. I'm not really going to explain what yeah, exactly they no, were no, doing. No, no, no. no. but uh, uh, Anderson then does his best Vince McMahon impression, uh, or Gallows does, and he compliments Anderson. And the two eventually think Matt and Nick and they head off. So yeah, and it I, was I, it was a weird segment. wasn't needed. Um, definitely shows that BTE, at least right now, is kind of trying to get away from the kids' audience. Yeah, it's definitely more adult oriented right now, and it, it's the Good Brothers. That's their that's their humor. Yeah. While it is funny, sometimes it's like, yeah, is is not really needed. You're right, but it, it's, right. it's it's Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. What else do you expect? So, exactly. So then we see. Um, the Young Bucks again, uh, they're doing reference photos for the upcoming AEW video game, which I'm on pins and needles waiting for more updates yep. and releases. Ready Can't to pay for it and download out. it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, Matt says he saw a sneak peek of the game. It looks amazing. Nick isn't happy at all because he hates taking photos, according to, according to Matt. And the camera zooms in on him not having much fun at all. Yeah, you could definitely tell that Nick was not pleased with what was going on. Um, you know, he's trying his best to do what the guy's telling him to do. And he's, well, do it this way instead. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's probably, it's just part of the territory comes with the job, I guess the nature of the job. I'm sure a lot of those guys absolutely hate taking photos and doing photo shoots and, and all of that, but uh, it's kind of the name of the game. Right. So then we see the dark order, always probably the most entertaining (laughs) uh, segments. We we have on 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 being the elites. They're working on Valentine's Day cards because, of course, Valentine's Day is coming up on Sunday. A few of them read theirs out loud, and then the group, of course, rips on five a bit, and then they go off to give their cards to whoever they're intended for. Yeah, um, was not. I mean, we'll get back to it later. But I was, I had in my mind who it was going to be given to, and well, I was wrong. Uh, for fives, uh, for all of them. Oh, yes. I I thought, wait, and we'll get into this a little bit, but I thought as a group they were all going to give to Hangman. Absolutely. So That's where I thought they were going to. Speaking of Hangman, we then see Matt Hardy 
uh, leaving Hangman Page a voicemail. Says it was great tagging with him, and he didn't mean to make him mad with the finish. Of course, that was when Matt Hardy tagged himself in to get the pin. Private party roll in and hear hear Matt Hardy talking. They ask him what's up with that. Cassidy and, and Quinn wonder if Hardy isn't happy with them. Matt says he's very satisfied with, with them. He has a plan, and they just need to trust him. Private party says they can't trust Paige. He still owes them $12. Love how they won't, uh, <laughs> won't let him forget the $12 yeah, for the drinks. Because I thought they squashed that. I did too, but I guess they're bringing it back. Yeah, because I thought the agreement was, you know, if uh, Hangman beat him for something, then it was forgiven. The Matt, Matt assures them he'll work it out. He'll work out the money problem, so get that money. Uh, he then mentions uh, tomorrow's impact at, at the time that Chris Saban and James Storm uh, jumped them for a tag team title match. Hardy says they're going to go to the show and make sure the Good Brothers retain so private party takes the titles from them. Hardy promises they will win both the Impact and AEW Tag Team titles. Uh, and then on Impact, it was announced that it is now a triple threat match between Chris Saban and uh, James Storm, Private Party, and the Good Brothers this Saturday at No Surrender. Yeah, uh, I had a little bit of a theory on that. Um, since the good brothers are kind of really getting back into their persona of the, you know, we're just here to get paid. We don't want to wrestle. I think this is a good way. If they decide they want to drop the titles, at least it stays in the company. Yep. Yep. I agree. I, I think, I think you're on the something there. I, I, let's just say, I don't see any way private party wins the titles. Yeah. Out, yeah. out of the three teams. So no way. Then backstage, we see the good brothers run into Matt and Nick yet again. Uh, the Good Brothers give them props on their six-man tag with Kenny Omega. They uh, ask if the Forbidden Door is open with Kenta showing up. Uh, they don't think so. Nick isn't happy because Gallus and Anderson distracted him during the tag team uh, battle royal to start last week's Dynamite, and he got eliminated. Matt says, had they won, they planned on picking Gallows and Anderson. The Young Bucks wonder how many times they can keep just letting things go. Ultimately, they smooth things over. Gallows messes with Anderson until they laugh and walk away. Yeah, and uh, I think that's why Anderson walked away when he did. Is he was losing it ahead of time, and he just I just got to get away from the camera. Yeah, it's uh, you know, this is where, I mean, AEW for the most part makes sense and it doesn't have mm-hmm. you have to uh, disdain your belief really. But yeah. in this case, with the Young Bucks being in that battle royal last week, and they keep saying if they won, they would have chosen Gallus and Anderson. Why? wouldn't they have just chosen them to face each other to begin with at revolution instead of, you know, you know, if, if, if we're really being realistic here, but I get it for the show's purpose. So I'm sure it'll all pay off. We'll just have to keep watching. Oh yeah. Then we see the dark order ready to give their cards to special someone. Anna J is near is near, but they tell her to get out of the way. Uh, The group each gives Wardlow a card, except for five who has someone else in mind. And Wardlow, Wardlow's he is good when he gets to talk. He just doesn't get yes, talked very often. I know. I was. I love that segment with Wardlow. Yeah, I he's. Mean, uh, sometimes, hey. sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, less is more. So yeah, and I mean, he just delivers the perfect thing, and it's just all it is is you know. Oh yes, we do have good hair. Thank you. And of course, Wardlow tells Five to f off, which was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so then Five's going to give the card to whoever else he has in mind. And he finds Hangman Page and wants to talk about what Anna Jay said to him last week. Page says he gets it and he had fun with the group and he didn't want things to end the way it did. But Five shouldn't worry about it. Page says they don't need him. They're perfect just as they are. Then Adam walks away and a Five forgets to give him the card, but make sure to leave it near near his jacket. Yep, and we'll uh, talk about that a little bit more coming up, too. Then we see Chris Statlander asking Brandon Cutler if he can film something for her. Statlander brings up Valentine's Day not really knowing what it is and says she wrote a song for Orange Cassidy. They head over to to Orange, who uh, we can't tell. He's just sitting there with sunglasses. You're not sure. He's yeah. just chilling or what. You know, Orange being Orange. He stands in the middle of the ring, and you're not sure if he's awake or not. Great point. Great point. He's always just the laziest guy on TV. Yep. So she then sings him a song, which she has a really talented voice. She's really oh, yeah. good. Um, and then she gets nervous when he doesn't react, and she runs off. And 
Keller tells Orange he should go chase her. Man, that was lovely. What are you doing? Then Keller's like, wait a second. Takes off Orange's sunglasses. And indeed, Orange Cassidy's, Cassidy's sleeping. And he says, I got to go tell her. And the question becomes, um, did the song put him to sleep? Doubt it, but well, I don't know. I we'll mean, does out. Orange go, you know, I was awake for part of it, but I was <laughs> relaxed with your soothing voice and fell asleep. Uh, I don't I can't see Orange saying that many words. So, yeah, no, he'll probably just, you know. Yep. Just kind of give the, give the thumbs up a little bit. Uh, we then see Anna Jay giving Stu Grayson a card, which I thought this was going to happen between one or the other. And I was hoping, is it please say check yes or no? So I'm right. Uh, she didn't leave. He opens it and says, F off. Yep. Perfect. He laughs. He loved it. Yep. I mean, it was it. the only way to do it between those two at that point. You know, at least we got the exchange between them, but it was a typical Anna J and Stu Grayson segment. Absolutely. We then see the new BT champion, Sammy Guevara, watching over number one contenders trivia competition. This thing they just couldn't get it going. They were oh, too loud. Man. They had yeah. to relocate. They were too loud. Nobody could get the trivia questions. It was a mess. Ended up being a tie between Fuego del Sol, Tin, and Brandon Cutler. They all won. So next week, there's going to be a handstand competition. Yeah, I. Uh, they kind of edited out the scene where del Sol tied it. So I missed that because i even went back and rewatched i'm like okay where did he tie it because he was behind mm -hmm. and then you kind of get the 10 and brandon cutler rock paper scissors to see who the winner is and then all of a sudden there's three of them so i was a little confused by that who wins the handstand competition next week 10 i think so too he's the strongest but uh yeah so i think i think my money's on him yeah so we then come to the end of BTE, and they always leave us with a cliffhanger, or, or more times than not, and that's what I love about the right. show. We see Matt Hardy. Well, we see a hand pick up the Valentine's Day card left for Hangman Page, and it turns out it's Matt Hardy. He comes across the Valentine's Day card from five. He ends up shredding it with a scowl on his face. Yeah, and uh, since then, five even tweeted about it on and said, you know, hey, Hangman, did you get it? Did you like it? And Matt Hardy says, no, sorry, he hated it. He thought it was childish. I love big money Matt's character. I mean. Yep. It's the I, way I, they needed to go with Matt Hardy. Yep. Broken Matt is only going to work with a full crowd. Yes. There's no. Yeah. Eh. Even then, I don't know if you go back to it now. Yeah. At this point, I think you just need to stick with big money Matt. Mm -hmm. Maybe bring back the other personalities a little bit on BTE, but. Otherwise, just stick with Big Money Matt. I mean, I guess they could do a three faces of Foley type thing with uh, where, you know, Cactus Jack, Do Love, and Mankind. But I don't know. I don't know that. Maybe that's going to be a Royal Rumble type that's of came and went, thing. So, yeah. So, which, uh, real quick before we get into Dynamite, I meant to bring this up as a question last week. And I forgot. The Royal Rumble was just not too long ago. Yes. Would you, would you like to see AEW do some sort of Royal Rumble, with, but with their own twist on it? I personally, I think the uh, battle royale at Double or Nothing is perfect the way it is. Um, instead of one person at a time, you get you know the whole suit. Everybody comes out that type of thing. I enjoy that. Um, I'd hate to see him kind of go towards that style, unless you know maybe I could see it for their tag division. And then the teams enter together instead of individually. But otherwise, I think they need to stick yeah. with what they've got at the Casino Battle Royal. I, I will say, though, the Royal Rumble concept is one concept I think I, I don't have a problem with any of the other companies using outside of the WWE because, I mean, Pat Patterson was such a visionary on that match. It's 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 such an exciting match and, and um, perfectly planned, really. I mean, it's perfectly created. Yeah, and now, you know, if uh, this was – W, back when WCW and we had the Monday Night Wars, if it were to, if AEW were to have been around then and do it then, I don't think it would have been no. such a big deal. But now they're going to be so critiqued for it. You're right because the fans, there's less true fans these days, and there's more 
well, you should have done it this way. Why'd you do that? You're just copying, you know. Everybody wants to be a critic. Yep. So many times AEW is called all X WWE. And so I think for their sake, at least right now, stay away from that concept. Well, if you remember, um, WCW had World War Three concept for a little bit with the three rings, which was always kind of neat, yep. different. But yeah, then uh, NXT did something similar to it. Mm-hmm. So. so we'll see. I don't know. I mean, AEW still. I mean, everybody kind of forgets they're still a very, very young new company. So. Yep, they could come up with some new stuff that nobody's ever seen before. That's true. Um, but let's get into Dynamite, an action-packed episode of Dynamite last night. A really fun one, a really good one, like it usually is. But uh, it starts off with a title match for the TNT yep. Championship between Darby Allen, um, defending against Joey Janela. And uh, these two have had a history of going against each other. Um, Janela, it's, it's, not, it's kind of nice to see Janela back in the mix. He was a guy, he was one of the few talents back in 2019 at the uh, press conference in Jacksonville. Yeah. I mean, so he was one of their bigger talents at the time they've started yeah. or they signed and then kind of fell off after that a little bit. Uh, I think he was getting himself in trouble outside of the ring. So they kind of, you know, just to stay face, so to speak, kind of said, okay, you know what? We're just going to use you sparingly for now. But uh, yeah, when he does get the chance to get in that ring, it's always a good match. I didn't have a problem where this match was slated at the card to start the show, but of course I knew Darby wasn't going to lose the match. I mean, with his storyline with Steen against Team Taz in the upcoming street fight at Revolution, I knew there was no way he was going to lose. But I will say this match was totally a totally different style than I envisioned. Yeah, it was a lot quicker paced even than I expected it to be with Joey. I mean, I know Joey can move. He's a very athletic, very fast but a lot of times he doesn't do it. He kind of just kind of moves through the motions. And it was almost like we got a rebirth of Joey Janela. Well, I thought um, I expected more of a daredevilish high spot type match out of these yeah. two because that's they they do crazy things. These two do better, more crazy spots and are better at that kind of, I don't want to say backyard wrestling style, but yeah, um, at that just dangerous style than about anybody right. in the company. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, they even said that in their promos against each other, and I think that's kind of why they went away from it. Maybe I mean, this, to say, look, you know, we can do this, but we can also do this. This was definitely more of a back-and-forth technical wrestling-style match than I ever anticipated. Agreed. Um, but uh, there was some uh, tope suicidas, you know, Excalibur's word for suicide dives. Yep. And uh, then towards the end of the match, Allen was fighting off Joey Janela, hit a nasty looking avalanche code red. Sweet move. I love that move. But it was for a two count. Then Darby dropped Janela, hit a coffin drop off top rope. One, two, three. You know, it, I didn't expect Darby to lose this match, just like you, because of the rivalry he's got going and everything. But there were a few points where I thought Joey could have pulled it off. That would have been a huge upset and very uh, surprised. But one of these days, AEW's got to do that to us. One yeah. of these days when we least expect it. Even if a guy has a title, match is kind of already set up for a storyline. They're going to pull a twist on us. But yep. it wasn't last night. We then get a promo from John Moxley. I can't I can't do Justin Roberts. I'm not even going to try. That is, yeah, yeah. I, I've tried. He holds it way too long. I wasn't even going to try. That was an awful little attempt there, so I apologize to everybody listening. But uh, it's outside the venue. We see John Moxley saying Kenta has been calling him out for months, so what happened last week was no surprise. Moxley said the time for cheap talk is over, and Moxley thinks Kenta knows that. Moxley promotes their that they're going to meet up with each other on February 26th. Says the date, but never says the name of the show, which is – uh, I think the new beginning or new beginnings or or something along those lines is the upcoming um, New Japan pay-per-view. And he also showed off the IWGP U.S. championship, which you and I were texting. It's such a good-looking belt. Oh, yeah. You know, I've seen pictures of it on the Internet and on YouTube, but to actually see it on television was nice. Then Moxley uh, mentions that the match is sanctioned, but tonight's will not be. He wishes his opponents good luck taking him off the board. Tonight is just for fun. Very good promo. Moxley delivers great promos from start Always. to finish. So, yep. 
We then get a uh, look inside the inner circle locker room as Sammy Guevara asks the group for a minute so he can talk with MJF in private. Yeah, but he wants the cameraman to stay in the room. Gets right. Yes. Everybody else but the cameraman. Sammy says he knows what MJF is up to, especially after last week. He knows MJF is just trying to take over the inner circle for himself. MJF thought Sammy was just jealous of him since he was the apple of Chris Jericho's eye. But now MJF is the new favorite. MJF realizes it's not that. He thinks Sammy's act- actually hates Jericho and doesn't want to play second fiddle to him. MGF continues that he thinks Sammy is upset and he wants to take over. Sammy repeats what MGF says. And MGF responds, that's exactly what he wanted to hear. As he takes out, takes out his phone, which he had his phone and clicked the button and set it down if you paid attention at the beginning. Yep. So he got Sammy to say, yeah, of course, that's what I want to do. I hate Jericho. I want to take over the group or something along those lines. And so then after that happens, Sammy realizes MJF was recording him. He takes this phone, throws the phone against the wall, and he punches MJF in the midsection and leaves the room. I thought it was a really good segment, but I have seen it attacked on Twitter a bit because they're saying, why would he record him on the phone when the camera's right there? Because uh, I will say I'm betting um mjf was going to go to jericho as they were prepping for their match and go hey just want to give you the heads up uh sammy and i were talking and this is what he said and then he plays the segment and doesn't see the video i did find it interesting and i enjoyed how sammy brought up that he saw what happened last week so he indicated that he watched the program yes yeah that was nice to see uh anytime the talent says hey you know what i saw what happened Mm-hmm. It's always a real nice little see look. Even the talent enjoys watching the show. You wouldn't hear that in a dialogue in WWE. No, sadly, you would not. There's uh, any of the promos never really seem to reference it, apart from you know. Well, while I was out, I made sure to watch what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a good promo would set up something to come later in the show that we'll get to in just a little bit. We then have some tag team action between the Nightmare family, Cody, well, part of the Nightmare family, Cody Rose and Lee Johnson versus Pretty Peter Avalon and Cesar. Uh, I don't remember how to say his last name. No clue. Not even going to attempt this one. I'm going to say Bononi, but I know that's wrong. I, I've heard him say it multiple times last week. I'm going to take notes on it. Didn't. But uh, the match was mostly about Lee Johnson, really. Um yeah. But we would come we would come to learn after the match that Cody Rhodes actually slightly tore his rotator cuff early in the match. If you go back and watch, you can find the spot when um Caesar uh gives him a suplex and he lands where on the shoulder, he kind of grabs it and he rolls out of the ring. Right there, you could tell he hurt himself. But uh like I said, the match was mostly about Lee Johnson. Um Johnson towards the end of the match gets a lift and dropped hard on the mat. Uh then Cody pulls Caesar out to the floor. Uh, pretty Peter Avalon's looking for the double knees to the back of Johnson's head, but uh, Lee Johnson avoids it and rolls him up for the three count. Just a nice little roll yeah. up there. And I got to say, uh, you know, congratulations to Lee Johnson. First victory. Uh, finally got a W. Good thing to have, especially when uh, wins and losses count. Um, but as somebody who has torn the rotator cuff, I was amazed that Cody continued the match. Yeah, I, you know, I told you last night, I'm reading that, you know, it's torn rotator cuff, even a slight tear that could be really problematic. But I was listening to a few podcasts today, and according to Wrestling Inc., um, it was Nick Hausman and Justin Labar. They were saying today on their podcast that, to their understanding, that he's still good to go for the match with Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, wow. I, I give him a lot of props for that. I mean, I mean, there comes a time he's got to take some time off when the baby's born. So maybe he's just trying to get through this story and then, then assess the damage then. Yeah. And you know, that match is actually kind of good because it's uh, a mixed tag team match. Yes. So you've got Jade and red velvet who could be in the ring more. Cody and Shaq could each hit a couple big moves on each other and take it from there. It just seems like so far the match or the storyline should say it's kind of cursed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just not going according to plan so far. Yeah, but. something has happened, it seems like, almost every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see uh, if, if they can get to March 3rd of that episode of Dynamite and get it over with. So Yeah. Uh, but after the match, you see the rest of the Nightmare family come out. Dustin Rhodes, 
QT Marshall. And they're talking with Tony Schiavone on the stage. Lee Johnson's asked about his first win. Um, he says he wishes he had more words for Tony, but after a year of going 0 and 29, he was shown by his trainers. Uh, he was shown. He was shown by his trainers that hard work pays off. Um, yeah, I've I've heard some rumblings that there could be a possible storyline upcoming of him against QT Marshall. That's kind of the hmm. mentor against the trainee, and it'll be a throwback to a Larry Zabisco story from the eighties. I've I've been reading a lot about that. I've been reading also about Arn Anderson saying that he's going to be involved in something that's going to be life-changing for the talent and himself, which I think is going to be something involving his son because they kept showing his son last night. Yep, his son was present last night. Uh, so, first time, if I remember correctly. So that was nice to see his son there. And uh, it's the first time I'd seen his son. Yep. Looks like a young Arn. Looks like an Anderson. That's for yeah. sure. And I think they're trying to incorporate the other members of the Nightmare family into storylines. So when Cody does take time off or, or when just trying to develop these guys as you know, make them a little bit, make them bigger stars. I like that because we saw the nightmare family. Uh, and I should note, you know, like, I think you already know this. Lee Johnson did finally get signed to all elite wrestling last night. Yep. Tony uh, tweeted about it shortly after the first win, but the nightmare family also added more members this week, Aaron solo. And, uh, I didn't write down the other guy's name. Um, uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about, but I cannot think of the name for the life of me. Nick, um, uh oh 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 it's the big guy yeah it's the guy that looks like uh <laughs> ogre from revenge of the nerds yeah yeah um cannot think no. of his oh because i can't pronounce his last name to save my life I can't, anyway I can't, so. I can't think of it right now but the nightmare family is getting bigger and bigger it is it started out just a few members i mean mm -hmm. when you think about it that's kind of why brandy did her nightmare collective is because they wanted to add new members to the family and now look at them yep we then get a backstage segment with the Young Bucks. Um, it was kind of pretty much what we saw in being the elite, really. Um, yeah. A lot of the verbiage was the same. Um, it was, uh, I mean, they're talking to Dasha about Chris Jericho and MGF winning the title opportunity. Uh, they were asked about not lasting very long in last week's Battle Royal. The Young Bucks said, well, just ask the Good Brothers about that. And the Good Brothers show up. Matt and Nick said they had it won. They were going to pick Doc and Carl if they won. The Good Brothers said it wasn't like they weren't try were trying to take them out. They were trying to take Private Party out. Ultimately, the inner circle eliminated them. Matt is fired up and says, how about next week? The titles will be up for grabs against Santana and Ortiz. They are a top-ranked team. I was surprised uh, after the exhibition, the inner circle exhibition, where MJF and Jericho were crowned the tag team of the inner circle that we still see Santana and Ortiz in the rankings, but they're in the top five, so they definitely deserve a shot. So I'm putting you on the spot for a prediction right now. Who okay. wins that match next week? Ooh. And why? Ooh, I'll I'll go ahead and say the Young Bucks and um, to take on MJF and Jericho at Revolution, but I think MJF interferes in the match somehow, allowing the Bucks to win. I could see that causing more trouble within the yep. inner circle because it would be interesting if they had the titles change hands, though, with Santana Ortiz, then they had to face Jericho and MGF at Revolution. That would be interesting. Um, but that's also heel against heel stable. So. Yeah, and they're kind of trying to stay with the face versus heel for now. Because that would open up the Bucks storyline. They could potentially face the Good Brothers or Revolution or go a direction. But I just I think the Young Bucks are going to keep the titles for at least until double or nothing, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. We then get another backstage. A lot of segments. Uh, th there's been a lot of backstage same segments lately on Dynamite, which is fine. Building um, up towards Revolution. Yep. Building up the storylines as they should. This one uh, is, pertains to Hangman Adam Page and Matt Hardy. We see uh, Dasha's talking with Hangman. About if he's looking to team up with Matt Hardy, Paige says uh, no, but Hardy says they are special together, and Paige should at least let him take a page, take him out for dinner, out for drinks. Uh, Hardy says it will only be me, him and him and Paige, so Paige says okay. He then goes to get his phone and bumps into the Dark Order. There's an awkward conversation between the two with Paige saying he's got to go to the bar with Hardy, and he walks through the group to get his phone. Did you see the look that Anna J gave him, though? I did not. 
Oh, she stared him down. It definitely was continuing um, the segment that the two had between each other last week on BTE. So Mama J is mad. What did Silver tell him? Because then Silver was beating himself up when he walked away. I I didn't write it down in my notes. Didn't don't know off the top of my head. I'll have to go look that up. So we then uh, got another match uh, pack with Ray Phoenix against Ryan Nimeth. It was a pretty short, short match and pack dominated the match kind of like we thought he would. Uh, But towards the end of the match, the pack was hit some nasty stomps to the face of Nimeth. Nimeth looked to be out cold. Uh, Pack had him face down on the mat. Pack goes up to the top rope, hits the black arrow, goes right into the brutalizer and Nimeth taps out. Yeah, and uh, did you see Ryan's tweet um, about the picture that was taken of his face? I did, and then he changed that to his profile picture today. Yeah, yeah, that just goes to show you originally he was completely against it and saw how much the fans loved it, and he went, eh, why not? I'll embrace it. He has a good interview out right now with Chris Van Vliet on Chris's podcast. I encourage everybody to go listen to that. It's uh, You learn a lot about him, and... uh, his relationship with him and his brother and his journey and everything's pretty neat. Pretty neat. So I'll have to give it a listen. Yeah, Chris Van Vliet's always always does great interviews. And he's a follower of the Kicking Out Podcast, which you should be if you're not following us already on Instagram or Twitter. Please give us a follow at Kicking Out Pod. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah. And then we see some highlights from last week's wedding between Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. Miros calls Charles a gutless bastard for shackling him into the corner. Miro says he's going to find Orange Cassidy. He's going to put Chuck Taylor in the hospital right next to his buddy Trent. Then we cut to Orange Cassidy telling Chuck Taylor, I mean, what did they think was going to happen? Of course, you had to have Orange show up. You had to have Orange come out of the cake. Yeah, it's a wrestling wedding. It's it's bound to happen. Somebody always pops out of a cake. Then we saw Dasha uh, meet up with uh, Chris Jericho. And he's along with Hager and Wardlow. And she notices the entire group isn't out there. MGF Jen stumbles up with Santana and Ortiz behind him with his ribs all taped up. Says he thinks Sammy broke his ribs. Jericho can't believe it and says, for now, they have a match to worry about. Yeah. Um, definitely was an interesting setup for what's going to happen after this match. Yeah, this match was, wasn't the longest match. It was uh, no. Chris Jericho and MGF of the inner circle, of course, against the acclaimed. And I got to be honest. The acclaim's growing on me. You know, uh, still not 100% sure on them. Um, it's more their gimmicks. Um, but I like them in the ring. They can wrestle. They're green in the ring, but they're getting better. They still got yep. some stuff to learn, but they're getting better. I I think um, Max Caster is a pretty good rapper. I enjoy how he has the headphones for like the new era and then the boombox. I, I like the mix there. Yeah, um, and, and Anthony Bowens is a good good side piece as well. So I, I don't, I think they got a bright future in the company. I think uh, a couple of years from now we're really going to talk about them as being one of the top tag teams in the in in the company. Yeah, and you know I just want to mention something that I saw on Twitter uh, this morning, and I don't know if the tweets were last night or not, but MJF said something about you know I told you I was going to beat up your boyfriend or whatever, and some one of them responded back, you know, don't talk about my boyfriend like that, and I kind of. I had to stop. I mean, the really are they? Anthony Bowens is 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 uh, gay. Yes. Uh, see, I did not know that. I have yep. not. Again, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I don't. I don't think Max Caster is by no Anthony Bowens is. Yes. Okay. So, so yeah, it just kind of caught me by surprise. It wasn't something I expected to yep. see, uh, especially that early in the morning on Twitter. I just learned <laughs> that about a month ago. I was doing some research on him. Trying oh, okay, to learn so. more about his wrestling background, I found that out. So, okay. yeah, yeah, it's, well, it's really cool for that community because he's a good wrestler. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the match, we see MJF selling his ribs throughout the entire match, um, and then towards the end, we see Ortiz up on the apron and he gets punched off. Jericho's going for the lion's salt, but he gets nailed in the head with the boombox as the refs dealing with the inner circle. But they only get it. The acclaimed only gets a two count on it. The acclaimed then uh, look for the claim to fame which I like that, but Bowens crashes out to the floor. Hager shoves uh, Caster off the top rope when the ref isn't looking right into the juice effect for the cover in the one, two, three. Yeah, you know, I thought when Jericho got hit with the boombox, I thought that was it, honestly. Um, 
I was like, you know, this is going to be a huge upset for Inner Circle, but hey, he kicked out. It would have been a huge, huge win, like you said, for the acclaim, but I think it would have been the wrong move um, given the storyline. With MGF and Jericho just winning the Battle Royal last week and going against the Bucks at Revolution for the tag team titles. Yeah, and I think the only way you could have played it off if the Acclaimed would have won was the fact that they used the Boombox, which they didn't have the option to use in the Battle Royal. Yeah, correct. Uh, Post-match, this is one of the biggest angles, if not the biggest angle of the show. Sammy Guevara's music hits, and he comes out to the ring. Jericho asks him, what the problem is with him, he's late. He's 10 minutes late. Sammy says he told Chris that if one more thing happened with MGF, that he's done with the group. And and, and, he, and, he, and he's what are you he's saying? Done. He's in, and Jericho goes, what are you saying? What are you saying? You're done. What do you mean? Sammy then says he quits the inner circle, drops the microphone, and walks, walks off. MGF looks pretty proud of his work. Um, MGF is trying to talk with Jericho, but uh, Jericho says he needs a minute after after what just happened. And my favorite part is Sammy stops in between the tunnels, kind of hesitates, then exits towards the, through the face tunnel. That was definitely um, my favorite segment of uh, the night. I got to say. We then see Marvez catch up with Guevara outside in the parking lot and ask him why he's leaving the group. Sammy says he just needs to refocus and take some time away from AEW. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be the same without Sammy on TV every week. Um, but hey, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I'd be surprised if we see him show up anywhere else. I think this is just for storyline, take some time off. Yeah. Maybe it's to heal an injury that we're not aware of, but or we'll like see. we see on the vlog, he's uh rapping at 3 a.m., getting on a flight at 7 and doing it all over again. So there's still this is, I think, is the best storyline going in AEW right now because there's so many ways and directions this could go. Right now, they got me thinking that. You know, Sammy's got it all figured out. He's smart. He's one step ahead of the group. He's going to be the face, and they're going to eventually, the rest are going to turn it on Jericho or something like that. And then Sammy will come back and try to save Jericho. And I, I do, I, I do want them to go with the Sammy face because I want to, I already oh, like the guy. He's one of my favorites. I think he can blow up. But part of me is wondering is this all going to be a setup with Sammy and, and MJF? You know, that's a good point. Um, it could be, but uh, there again, I think uh, the feud with MJF and Sammy will continue when Sammy comes back. Um, I think Jericho's going to watch what happened, see what MJF did, and uh, maybe, hopefully, possibly kick at least MJF out. I mean, I'd love for him to keep Wardlow and kick MJF out, but I think they're a package deal. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to see. It's going to be interesting. Something, something big's coming soon. Yeah, so, uh, we then see uh, Matt Hardy and Hangman Page at the bar, and they're trading stories. Hardy said he he was buzzing off their win last week. Says he feels like they're magic as a team. They go to drink, but Hardy is just dumping his drink out every time. Hardy feels like Page could dominate AEW and be richer than their wildest dreams. Hardy then brings out a contract and says Page could be amazing. He could make him a millionaire, which he later says billionaire. Mm-hmm. But Hardy said. He'll he'll only take thirty percent, which is nothing when you when you're going to make so much money. Hardy then looks at the cameraman, why why Hayman's in the back what, what, signing what he what he thinks is the original contract he handed him, and he says he only wants the cameraman here to make it official because when when Page sobers up, he's probably going to be mad when he realizes what he did. Um, Page and Hardy sign the contract, and Hardy's so happy he just heads off. But Paul, why don't you tell everybody what you caught and I caught watching it the second time around. What happened was, uh, as Matt was distracting the cameraman, Hangman dumps the contract that Matt gives him behind the bar, pulls out a new one from his jacket, signs it, and then has Matt sign it. Yep. And it was absolutely fantastic. And now, of course, Hangman's going to hate me because he said on Twitter today, don't tell anybody. So, mm-hmm. but hey, it's okay. <laughs> yep. It's uh, what did Matt just sign? We're going to have to wait and see. And, and I can't speaking wait of to Twitter, see. Some fans said uh, Jericho could just go back and watch the segment to find out what happens. And Jericho tweeted that he watched it. Hmm. The, their segment, going back to the inner circle segment. So, okay, well, we'll see. Yeah, let's uh, let's see what happens. Then we're in the ring. We got Tony Schiavone talking with Steen like he is every week about their upcoming match. Steen goes to talk, but Tash shows up on the big screen with Hobbs right next to him. The camera 
pants to the back, and we see Darby Allen zipped up, knocked out in a body bag. Uh, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks then run to the back of the, the truck, and they end up dragging Darby through the parking lot as Steen then goes that direction to try to check on his friend. Yeah, um, Sting headed out in pursuit. Never really saw what happened, though, so I'm interested to see. No follow-up to the segment, and it kind of makes me sad. Well, next week, uh, Sting's, they uh, advertise Sting calling out Team Taz, so we will yeah. see. Yeah, I'll uh, definitely be looking forward to that, Matt, that segment to see uh, what happened to Darby. I was glad we got something different than Sting, just the normal Sting promo. To be honest. I'm Sting. I'm here. Things look the same. Yeah, I I'm think t- Sting forgets you, th- how to think, cut a promo. I think they could have used them just two or three times this whole time going up the Revolution, and it's kind of, it's kind of. And I'm a Sting fan, but it's kind of wearing on me. Yep, and like I said, uh, as you mentioned, and we talked about it last night, it's the same Sting promo every week. I think he forgot how to cut a proper promo. He got too used to having a script in front of him. And I wouldn't mind seeing somebody else interview him. I mean, I understand the nostalgia of yeah. Shivani and Sting, but once again, it's kind of getting old. So, yep. We'll let's, let's get Dasha in there to interview him yeah. and see what she can do. Yep. Uh, then we go earlier earlier in the day. Alex Marvez finds Kenny Omega on the golf course. I just love this segment. And I'm a big golfer for everybody who doesn't know. So this this hit me right in the heart. But uh, <laughs> he pops out of nowhere and makes like. How, where'd you come from? He goes, I'm on the golf course. I don't want to talk, especially when I'm golfing. Uh, Mega says uh, to watch this shot out of the sand, which Kenny broke the rules, grounding the club in the sand. But I was impressed with that. He got it out of the sand. Now the shot went like 50 to hundred feet past the hole in the green, but I was impressed. Man. He got it up over the lip and it hit it out. I mean, Kenny's a great athlete. Don't get me wrong, but uh, he hits the ball. And then he asked Marvez, he'll, he asks Marvez, he'll answer a question. He tells Marvez that. Marvez wonders what Omega is doing here rather than prepping for a match with a partner yeah. that he doesn't doesn't really like him. Omega says he's not going to lock himself in a room and study tape with Don Callis. I thought that was fantastic. Oh, absolutely. He's got to be out with nature to clear his mind. He hasn't lost in a while, and he doesn't plan on losing the night. Omega says he's going to put on a show tonight. Omega apparently hit the ball into the hole, which I love that Callis, and I think it was Nakazawa maybe, was the other person in the background. I think it's knock yeah because uh omega goes look at that i got an eagle and uh another and he, eagle then he puts the ball in the marvez's pocket marvez asks for a ride and they pass leaving him behind mm-hmm. <laughs> they just laugh and i love don Callis. he goes uh some exercise will do you good <laughs> i i don't like you know Callis is an unlikable character but he's has some hilarious one-liners yep that's why i listen to what he says yep we then get the first match of the women's title eliminator tournament. That's uh, Thunder Rosa versus Layla Hirsch. This was a really good match. These two had really great chemistry. Um, I kind of wish they made this match later on in the tournament because yeah. I'm a fan of both of these ladies. But towards the end, we see Layla Hirsch heading to the top rope, going for a mood saw. But Thunder Rosa got her knees up for a two count. Uh, Layla Hirsch is up and lands with a big knee to the face. And then another one. Uh, Layla Hirsch goes for a moonsault again, but to no luck. Then Rosa hits a running knee for a two count. Layla Hirsch tries for a cross arm breaker. Rosa with the two counts, then hits a small power bomb to break the hold. Rosa then hits the Thunder Driver for the one, two, three. Yeah, it was uh, a really good match. Um, Layla really got to demonstrate what she can do. Uh, too many times she's out there as a true jobber in, in squash matches. So to have somebody with the name recognition like Thunder Rosa has to allow her to, you know, get a lot of offense, I think that really did good for Layla. Um, you know, at one point it looked like Thunder Rosa might have hurt her arm or her wrist, um, but I haven't seen anything confirming or denying that. Yep. Yep, and she moves on to the second round. And the Japan side of the bracket is going to be seen on Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern time on AEW's YouTube channel. So make sure to check that out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, you know, a few of these women we've seen in AEW already, so mm-hmm. that's how I know them. Um, a lot of them are all new names to me, so I'm interested to see and watch and what they can do. Yep, and... Um, Sheeta has been over there being the producer of these matches. That's why we haven't seen her on yep. a dynamite in recent weeks. 
Yep. She uh, somehow was able to travel to Japan. Just got uh, a quarantine for two weeks. Yeah. She uh, posted a photo of uh, the champ is here is even what she said, which I thought was rather funny, but. We then see a backstage segment that was taped earlier in the day. Tony Schiavone's talking with Jungle Boy. Tony says Marco Stunt, or Jungle Boy says Marco Stunt is okay after being kidnapped by FTR. Jungle Boy says two weeks ago he had a match with Dax Harwood and had never had a match like that in his life. He came out. Dax Harwood brought a different man out of him, and, and he picked up the big win. Jungle Boy says they uh, never uh, reported FTR. As yep. FTR thought they did. It says the next time they meet, Jungle Boy is going to make Dax his bitch. Yep. Uh, you know, the best thing for me was when Jungle Boy said, you know, I made you tap in front of everybody or submitted yep. to you in front of everybody or however he worded it. I think Jungle Boy's getting better on the mic. Still has got a little yep. ways to go, but uh, he's got to be a, a future superstar of the company. No Especially, doubt. you know, being a year ago when the company started, he said nothing on the mic yep. at all. Then we get a graphic for next week's Dynamite, which is going to feature uh, FTR with Tully Blanchard against Matt and Mike Seidel. Matt's brother, Mike, making his AEW debut. That'll be interesting. Yep. Uh, we're going to have Hangman Page and Matt Hardy and Private Party against the Hybrid 2 and the Chaos Project. Yeah, again, uh, I love TH2. Uh I can't take them serious when they're paired with these guys. Exactly. That's the problem. Um, you know, TH2 has a lot of talent. You know, I loved uh, back when they were in quarantine or unable to travel would be the better way to say it, I guess. And they did this, you know, oh, everybody forgot about TH2. Mm -hmm. It's like they were building them up for this huge mm -hmm. return. And then to slap them with the chaos project. Which, which I'm, I don't mind Serpentico so much, but it's Luther. I just, right. I'm sorry. I just don't, I don't enjoy the guy's work. I'm sorry. No, no, I do not either. We're also going to get Steen calling out Team Taz ahead of their Street Fighter Revolution like we uh, hit on earlier in the episode. We're going to get the NWA Women's World Champion Serena Deeb against a returning Riho in, in the Women's Title Elimination Tournament match. Should be a good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wasn't big on Riho when she first started, but by the time she dropped the title, I was a Riho fan. Uh, she disappeared. I don't exactly know the full reasoning behind this, um, but I'm glad to have her back. And I'm assuming this is going to be the main events for the tag team titles, the Young Bucks defending them against Santana and Ortiz of the Inner Circle. That's going to be a solid match. Speaking of solid matches, boy, was this main Ooh. event solid. This was a fun match. I'm not going to call it I'm not going to call it the best main event Dynamite's had, but it was up there. I really enjoyed this match. Saw AEW World World Champion Kenny Omega and Kenta uh, New Japan's Kenta teaming against John Moxley and Lance Archer and a no count out anything goes unsanctioned match. Too many <laughs> high flying spots and, and great oh. spots to mention, but uh, I'll kind of break it down towards the end. Omega has a kendo stick in his hand, or Archer points to him, and then then they meet in the ring. Archer catches the kendo stick and breaks it in two over his knee, then choke cho slams Kenny. Archer takes uh, Omega's wrist, walks on the rope, and hits a backwards moonsault on him, which we talk about all the time. His moonsault's so smooth and incredible that a big man like him can move so effortlessly. He only gets two count on it. The good brothers show up. Archer takes takes them on. Kinta hits a spinning back fist, about multiple of them, on, on uh, Archer to no effect. Uh, we got a big boot on Kinta, a gun stun on Archer by Anderson. Uh, Jake Roberts comes in with a short arm clothesline mm -hmm. on Anderson, but then Gallo, Gallows pops Roberts right in the face. Omega looks for a V trigger on Jake. I thought he was going to hit it. I'm like, oh, don't hit yeah. this on the old guy. But then John Moxley comes out nowhere with a barbed wire baseball bat. He nails the Good Brothers as well as as well as uh, Kenny. Then Kinta hits the go to sleep, the GTS on Moxley. Archer hits clotheslines on on Kinta. He looks for a double double. Uh, choke slam but eats two low blows the good brothers hit the magic killer on archer then kenny hits a v trigger on arthur archer goes to hit the one winged angel but he can't quite lift them up on his own so gallows and anderson help lift archer up on the mega shoulders hits the one winged angel and just like that because nobody kicks out from the one winged angel it's cover one two three winners kenta and Kenny via pinfall. Then post-match, Kenta beats up Moxley a little bit more on the floor as Omega celebrates with his guys in the ring as the show comes to a close. You know, 
I wanted to see Kenta get the pinfall. I mean, I knew it was going to be on Archer. It had to be. He was the only one in the ring that could take the pinfall. Uh, it would damage Moxley if he were to lose right now. Same thing with Kenny. Um, I knew Kenny and Kenta were going to win because uh, tonight we had the New Japan uh, World, is it? Yes. I debut believe on um, the Roku channel. Mm -hmm. So Kenta had to have something pop up there. Um. I kind of wanted to see Kenta get the pinfall, though, because uh, even before I found out, you know, I wasn't sure why Archer was in the match apart from to take the pinfall. Yeah. Uh, and then Excalibur at the beginning said three out of these four men have been IW GP US heavyweight champions. Mm -hmm. Kenta looking to become the fourth. Now it made sense. Yep. Mox beat Archer for that. I want to say at Wrestle Kingdom last year as early early on before the pandemic. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, even, even though Archer ate the pin, I thought he looked very strong in this match to uh, have four guys team up to take him out. Makes him look super strong. Fun match. Went backstage when the kitchen had potatoes involved. <laughs> uh, uh, there were some funny segments with commentary when they're in the kitchen. Saw a crazy spot with Kenta jumping off the stage, hitting a double knee to the face of Moxley in the table. I believe that table was supposed to break, but it didn't. Yeah, it did not give in Kenta's face was that oh crap face. I, I think Moxley caught a knee right in the face. I so think I think so. he's got a shiner probably today, but a really fun match. If you haven't seen it, go back and check it out. Really encourage it. Then afterwards I, on Twitter, uh, there was a press conference, so to speak with Don Callis, Kenny Omega and the good brothers. They called out or, or talked about, I should say the original bullet club, Jay white, Tama Tonga, all those guys over in new Japan. This is going to come to a head. Eventually. I got to believe it's going to be the original versus the new. At some point, it's got to be. Blood and guts? Could be. We were supposed to get the elite versus inner yeah. circle, and then we got a pandemic. Yeah, and we got the payoff at st in the stampede, stamp, stadium stampede instead at double or nothing. But Yeah, with you know, Matt Hardy instead of Cody. Maybe we're going to see a super show with most companies involved outside of WWE. I don't know. Hey, I'd be all for it, honestly. That, that would be like something for Madison Square Garden when fans are back. Yes. I don't know. We're going to see. It's, uh, Tony Khan is the uh, forbidden door, as he called himself on this week's paid av ad with him and Tony Schiavone on Impact. So, Yep. And the fib as Tony tweeted, the forbidden door is now open. Yep. We're going to see. Um, I don't think this will be the last we see at Kenta and AEW. Maybe it is, but I think we'll see some other New Japan talents. So. Yeah, That's They're not very far from each other either now. No. I mean, Kenta lives in Orlando. So. Yeah. So that's going to do it for this week's Dynamite. Uh, Paul, let's give this episode a letter grade. Uh, what do you grade this episode and why? I would give this one a solid B. Um, there were a few segments that kind of fell flat. Uh, didn't really feel the need. Uh, again, I'm not sure why we had Pac and Ryan face each other apart from to make Pac look strong again. So, I mean, there were it was a great show but there were just some spots that could have been a little bit better. I'm going to give it a B plus. Um, okay. I'm right there kind of in line with you. I, I agree on a lot of the segments. Some of them could have been cleaned up a little bit, but uh, for majority, I enjoyed most of the matches and I just really love the main event. I mean, the main event almost took it over to an A minus for me, but not quite. I'm going to save that for a, for another week. So uh, who's your AW wrestler of the week and why? Well, he's in the title of our episode, Sammy Guevara. Now, I know he didn't wrestle, but I just got to say, you know, his spot backstage leading up to the spot in the ring to taking time off. I mean, you don't see that very much anymore. Um, if you watch BTE, you know, Sammy's the champion. So what's going to happen with that championship as well? Just leaves a lot of questions up in the air. I really enjoyed it. And. I had to go with Sammy this week. I'm a Sammy fan, so I'm not going to be mad at that decision. So mm -hmm. I'm going to take Lee Johnson. Okay. I, 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 was hoping, I was hoping you weren't going to take him. I know last night you were thinking about it. Uh, for the simple fact, he got his first win in AEW. Now he is officially signed to AEW. He's also a member of the Nightmare family, which I'm a big fan of. I think he's got a bright future. I, I really do. So um, 
Yep. Good for him. We're, we're, well, let's see if he gets involved in a more serious storyline on Dynamite outside of Dark. Yep. Uh, and before we wrap, I do want to say, you know, don't forget, these guys are real humans. They deal with their own stuff. I know Alexa's got some stuff going on. Let's, you know, kind of maybe not give that guy too much more attention, but let's hope that Alexa and her fiance stay safe. And just remember, let these guys have their peace. Yeah, you're talking about a fan that's kind of. Yeah, definitely uh, over the line, I'll say. Alexa Bliss. Uh, we won't go into yeah. too many details, um, but definitely crossed into a creepy line. Definitely. So um, that's going to do it for this episode. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Kicking Out Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels if you haven't already. And uh, Paul, wrap us up. For Tanner Lee, I'm Paul Zartman. Join us again next week as we kick out another podcast.